Welcome back to Belter, your go-to audio series chatting to Belter DJs, producers and folk in the electronic music industry from the north. That might be the north of their country, region, city, whatever. This podcast shines a light on us a lot up here and plenty more. For today's instalment, I spoke to a vision who is based in North America, more specifically New York. Although he was in the Netherlands at the time of recording for Amsterdam Dance Event. This guy is everywhere, I'm telling you. He's a DJ and producer who is incredibly artistically minded with forthcoming releases planned on LM Audio, Systematic and Cocoon. He's fresh from playing in the UK actually. He just played London on Friday, just gone. Catching up with him just before he kicks off his South American tour, we spoke about feeling pigeonholed as an artist, why open-mindedness is so vital in music and his love and inspiration drawn from his musical family. Now, with that said, let's just dive straight into the episode. So, let's just dive straight into things. So, this is a classic belter question. I've asked everyone and I've got to ask you as the first one back, right? What is your most played tune this week? It can be any genre, any sound, any mood. So, don't worry if it's not strictly electronic. And I can see the panic so, look on your yeah, face. No it's, no, it's definitely not electronic. It's, um, I listen to this guy named Alan Stone a lot. He's like R&B, funk, jazz, soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just came out with a new single called Five Minutes. And uh, people might think he he might be a little corny, but he's not corny for me. I, I like his musicianship and his writing. So um, I listen to him a lot and he just came out with a new single. I've been listening to that on repeat. Nice, nice. And yeah. If I'm correct in thinking, are you at Amsterdam Dance Event right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm in my hotel. <laughs> and mate, how's that going? Have you come across oh. any mu- new music, new tunes, or anything? Yeah, I haven't. I, honestly, I got in on Tuesday. I came in from. Uh, I played in Berlin, and then I came here, and I haven't had a chance to like really dive into my music yet. Uh, I've just been walking around doing meetings and interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. So I haven't been digging really too much into my laptop, but um, yeah, there's always a bunch of music that I'm sorting through. And I'll be honest, I've been playing a lot of older stuff too. I've been digging like from like the early nineties and playing a lot of different techno and, and house. I, I like the, that form of art uh, of like digging for good tracks. You know, it's like a, you always want to find that hidden gem that maybe wasn't like a, a big bomb back in the day but now it's now it's a hit for me nice. so uh, I, like, I like turning a record like that out for sure nice. I write that I write that and speaking about you and your music am I correct in thinking you got into music at a very very young age but yeah. when did it kind of land to you like this is what I want to do with my life um I, I think it, it happened fairly quickly for me at a young age um I would say around like 15 16 years old I kind of knew that's when I started working as a DJ like I was playing teen nights and and starting to get my feet wet in the club industry and I I think that was the start of like a dream you know like I was starting to play clubs and and that hype of wanting to play every few weeks and and or once a month or two months um was really special for me at that age I remember I used to get goosebumps like standing online going into a nightclub for the first time and and I knew from that moment on, I had a goal and and I was set out to do that. And um, yeah, I'm still working on a lot of things, but you know, the dream's starting to come alive a little bit every, uh, every day it gets closer and closer. So I'm, I'm definitely happy where things are at. Amazing. And so I was just wondering, cause was it kind of the producing or the DJing that came first? Was it the DJing or? 
kind of both at the same time. I started DJing at like 12, 13 years old around then. And, um, you know, I had CD decks and I was starting to, you know, learn how to play on CDs because at the time that was like the the technology. And um, I remember going up to my dad and saying like, hey, I want to make my own remixes. And my dad was showing me around Logic and I was starting to work on like loop packs and and just getting familiar with the structure of how to produce music and working mm-hmm. with different you know at the time garage band was starting to come out too and i was starting to take like loops that garage band would have and i would start you know putting pieces to the puzzle on making music and structuring music and uh sure enough you know that ps2 controller the playstation 2 controller became a midi controller for me and i was starting to you know stop playing video games and start working on my own music and starting to you know make remixes and at the time it was fairly like commercial music it was top 40 dance but it was still in the house realm and um yeah i'd say they both kind of started for me at the same time like i remember when i was a kid playing these teen nights i'd have my own remixes and tracks to play wow because at that time you know there was youtube wasn't really that big it was just starting to become big and um you know kids were really involved in the music back then and they really wanted to know what the dj was playing and it followed adult nightlife in that way like adults would look for tracks and and dig for tracks that new york djs were playing at that time but the teen night culture really you know started to pick up on the tracks i was playing and then they started to realize that those were my own remixes so i'd almost have like teen night hits in a way like like the the anthems of those teen nights so it was it was a really really cool time at that you know that age for me it was it was really really special. It sounds it sounds so electric and you mentioned yeah. your dad there. So yeah. was he quite a musical person was he would you say yeah. maybe like an influence in you? Oh without a doubt. Still I now. Think, I think uh right now like my dad lives through me. He always asks me uh like how the weekend was and how is this <laughs> how's going here. Um but yeah my dad is definitely my number one influence as far as music goes i grew up in a musical household Mm -hmm. Um, my whole life i had a baby grand piano in my house a studio my whole family sings uh very musically inclined and i would say honestly the amount of talent that's in my family um i don't do enough to to show the amount of talent that's in my family you know like for me if i really wanted to shed light on the the talent that's in my family i should have went to like berkeley college of music like that's mm-hmm. that's where like i really should have pursued but um you know djing and and producing you know it's its own art form and uh i feel like uh, the amount of talent my dad has he could have been you know he he's got enough talent to write hit after hit after hit and um i only hope that uh i do him well you know Oh, I'm sure you do it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think my dad is very proud, but um, I have a lot more that I want to accomplish to make him a little bit more proud. And you seem well on your way. I mean, I looked I'm at trying. your calendar and your schedule, and you're all over the shop. You. Yeah, it's it's been a really great year. I'm I'm very happy with the way things are going. Um, for me, it's always looking at what's next and how to push everything forward. And rather than dwelling on what I just did, it's always about all right, where's the next thing and mm-hmm how we're going to go and attack that. Um, at the end of the day, this is a business, sadly, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes business ruins the the creative side, but I try to keep my head pretty straight and uh, I try to, you know, keep battling through those, those moments that can get hard. You know, it's a career at the end 
there there's peaks and valleys majority mm -hmm. of the time it's it's a good time but sometimes there's there's bad days like everything you know of course of course and I know, I know you say you don't you like to look in the future but I'm yeah. going to push you back slightly into yeah. the past and I heard did you grow up in New York was it you yeah yeah so, so what was that because a lot of our listeners are not from New York. There's uh there's five boroughs of New York. I grew up in okay. Staten Island. It's the forgotten borough. Everyone hates on Staten Island. It's where <laughs> Wu Tang. It's where Wu Tang Clan is from. If uh, if no one knows, but um, yeah, I, I grew up in Staten Island, and then we moved over to New Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. and I gotta say, my whole family still lives in New York. Um, I love New York. I think being from New York and having family that's from New York. All my you know my my grandparents are in they were off from Sicily. So um, being from New York is, is special because it's, it's a melting pot and um, it really defines the type of person you are. I think, you know, we have this certain mentality that makes you want more and makes you want to hustle and, and it's always fast paced. And I kind of like that about, about New York. Um, and I, I just love um it's kind of that, you know, you kind of have a chip on your shoulder without really being a cocky, asshole you know what i mean i i try not to be i i never want to be cocky i never want to come off like an arrogant person but um you know being from new york you kind of have a little bit of an edge you know you you have that little you know that little edge that you know maybe some people don't have and i think you're always aware of your surroundings and what's going on of course of course i mean i've never i've never been to the states never mind new oh. york but like what's come on I need to go. I yeah. need to. Yeah, you what's have to. the what's the clubbing scene like over there? It must be quite rich, is it? Or yeah, it's always been pretty rich. Um, you know, it's gone through its ups and downs. It's you know, I I would love to see a few more clubs pop up in in the scene. You know, um, like for instance, I just played at Watergate in Berlin, and I haven't experienced such a like a small nightclub like that in such a long time, where the vibe is just straight. It's it's just on. Everything was just on the money. You know, you play trippy records, you play a record that comes down and then comes back up. And as a DJ, it's all about the journey. I don't like playing an hour set. I like playing eight hour sets. You know, for me, it's all about that that vibe and the journey you can bring them on. Mm -hmm. So playing a small room like that, you get to do that. And um, it was really special. And I felt like it was like such a, a, it was to me, it was like looking at New York in the 90s, you know, when even though you had like these big, big rooms in New York in the 90s where it was like, you know, 2000 people in one room, it was a club. It was still a tight room. Mm -hmm. You know, right now in New York, everything's either warehouse based. There's don't get me wrong. There's a lot of clubs still not as many as there used to be. But um, there's there's big, big venues. And sometimes you as a DJ, you know, those those parties are great, but you kind of stray away from like actually like what's important as a DJ and you try to like, you know, you always want to play the big, big records and play those big bomb records. But, you know, when you play a smaller room, you really you, you show your true colors as a DJ when you play a smaller room and, and you could build a vibe and keep those people there from start to finish, you mm -hmm. know. But yeah, um, yeah, exactly. it's it's a vibrant city. It's it's still alive. It still does its thing. I wish, you know, there was like a almost like a, a club territory for New York because everything's kind of shifted outside of the city because okay. the city's super commercial and corporate. But I do see things start 
starting to pop up in the city now. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting next few years, you know, with the economy going on and everything. Unfortunately, that that plays a role in our industry, too. So uh, Gosh, it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how everything pans out. But I do think there's enough powerhouses in New York that will keep this thing alive and, and keep it, you know, flourishing. Absolutely. And I, mu- I must go over to visit. I mean, yeah, you have I know to. so many people. If I was to go over to New York, right, as someone who's never been in their life, what would the yeah. one thing I have to do from a New Yorker? Oh, that's really, yeah. really broad. Oof, that is hard. I mean, <laughs> what really? about what about right? Say one place I should go to get some food or something. Oh, you have to eat pizza in New York. Pizza. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's like that's the thing. You know what I mean? That's like New York pizza is some of the best in the world. You know, outside of Naples, where I just I just came from naples as well i i took a little detour to naples but you know it's different it's just a different atmosphere um and there's staples like there is everywhere else in the world but new york is known for damn good pizza really good stuff and you can have a little bit of everything there's new york style pizza there's neapolitan style pizza uh there's that super thin crust pizza out there but there's some really really good pizzerias in new york right now Amazing. Well, I'll get myself two on the next time. Yeah, I'm there you there. Go. Absolutely. <laughs> so you speak a lot about, well, in the time we've been speaking anyway, you've touched upon kind of like digging for records quite a lot. Yeah. So I was just wondering, do you personally categorize yourself as a particular genre, say, because I've seen you labeled a lot of places as strictly techno, yeah. but do you think you kind of like meld together sounds in a way that's kind of what you vibe with on the time? Like, how would you clarify yeah, it? Absolutely. I don't, I don't like to pigeonhole myself into just one genre. I think even as a DJ and a producer, I'm kind of broad where I released music and the type of sound, you know, I've released, um, you know, one week it's house next week. It's hard techno. The next week it's jacking techno. It's whatever I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I think that's, almost a little bit of the issue now in in today's world is that everyone's labeled yes you know and and as a creative you should never be labeled mm-hmm. you know as as an artist you should be able to go make whatever you want and it should never affect you it should always be you know whatever you want to rock with you can rock with um and i think maybe that's kind of like the old school mentality that i have in that way it's like you know i'm going to make whatever i want to make release whatever I, whatever i want to release and play whatever I want to play as long as the vibe's there. You know, on a Sunday morning, I'm I'm playing an after party or something. I don't want to hear, you know, 138 techno. I want to hear some sexy house, disco. I want to hear everything, you know. There's no reason to pigeonhole yourself like that. Um, and I, I always feel like if you could be broad or if you can go in different directions, you're going to have – it might take you a little bit longer to climb up because – you're not hitting one direct lane, but I do feel if you're that diverse, you'll have a longer career, you yeah. know, and you'll be able to transform with the times. Like right now, Tech House is huge. For me, I, I've been listening to Tech House since I was a kid, since 2011, 12, um, even a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. And that it was big back then as well. But for me, it's like, rather than just, conforming to that trend i could just make something that's just me yeah rather than just trying to fit in because if you stay if you stay in that lane of this is me 
you're you're in your own lane you're in your own demographic and then you built something that's bigger than just being a tech house artist or just being a techno artist you're your own brand essentially yeah. I think it's it's really refreshing to hear you say that because I mean as someone totally you know on the other end of the spectrum in terms of what they do in but also in the creative sphere if you will yeah. I think it is a common thread that everyone feels you know that they should be pigeonholing things you know they should yeah. have those things in their Instagram bio so they know what they are and yeah, I just like, it's shit. so interesting how it seems to be like a universal issue yep. if you will yeah absolutely like for instance like techno artists what, what's a color that you'd see a techno artist uh, techno artist wear what's a color that you'd see them wear exactly you'd think black wouldn't you always of course right why why, why is that a thing what, what like what is that like come on what type of world is this uh, you tell me if i wear a white t-shirt i'm not like why why do i have to be wearing black to be a techno label like to be a techno artist that that's ridiculous it is it's crazy insane. isn't it how everything's so associated these days yeah it just makes no sense that that's just everything that's wrong with this industry it just needs to be about good music good vibes people dancing having fun and that's it you know we're not we're not surgeons we're not doctors here we're, we're okay. making people have a good time mm-hmm. let's not exactly. make this more complicated than what it is you no, know exactly exactly amen to that because i entirely yeah. agree <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit just on in going into the production side of things because i always yeah, like to have a little nose and get the gossip um so say if you're going into a studio session yeah what we've we've established you're very open-minded in terms of what you do and what you create which yeah. I think is brilliant what's the kind of thought process if you're heading into the studio and you're sat down where does your brain thought process um I kind of like to go in in like with a clean slate no no ideas you know sometimes I'll have like voice memos like on my phone that I just maybe have an idea and usually when I go in with a voice memo that means I have a pretty strong idea and I know exactly where I'm going um but a lot of the times i try to just go in blank you know like if if i've made a bunch of like uh houseier records or groovier records maybe i want to try and switch it up and go a little bit heavier on the tech excuse me techno side but um ideally i try to go in clean slate nothing in in mind um and just the inspiration from either playing or something that i feel like maybe could work for the dance floor i'm just going to rock with i'm just going to go with it and see where it goes you know, sometimes uh, I'll be working on a track for two hours, and those are usually my best tracks. And then sometimes I'm working on a track for a week and a half, and that's when I got to trash it and move on. You know, mm-hmm. when I sit too long on a record, that's when I know it's not it's not the record for me. You know, yeah. I want to be a hundred percent positive on whatever I just did. That's it, and I want to rock with it. Granted, sometimes you got to tweak a little bit, and you got to make changes, but you know, the main idea is usually done within the first few hours of me sitting down. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I was just thinking yeah. as you were saying that, have you seen, I believe, I mean, do you use Ableton or do you use Logic or do you I, use I use Logic, yeah. I, was just, Logic. I don't know if you've seen Ableton have released yeah, uh, they just an, came an out app with version. Like app. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure Apple's right behind them with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They should, I mean, there's no reason why, you know, you shouldn't be able to produce on your phone. It's, it's a great little tool. You know, if I could sit on the plane and just sit on my, my phone and start pumping out a few uh, like tracks or just a few little rhythms just to get an idea out, you Mm -hmm. know, that could stem 
a lot for me when I get back home in my studio. Well, exactly. This is what I was thinking. I was wondering, you know, is it going to maybe shape or change how people create music? Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be those, those guys that completely do everything off their iPhone. There's I always going to be. Yeah. No, me neither. I'm sure there's going to be a guy that's going to do that, you know, um, like a live act or someone like of that sort could probably pull that off. Um, I don't think it will ever replace sitting down in a studio and mixing your records and producing your records in a studio, but I will say it could speed up the process for a lot of guys. It can, you know, could change the way you produce a little bit, but um, I don't see it ever replacing, you know, there's nothing better than sitting in your sweet spot in your studio and listening to something that you made and watching it come to life there's there's no better feeling than that maybe yeah. outside of having kids and a family that's, <laughs> that's third <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly but um yeah I to me I don't I'm the type of person that needs to feel it and and I've made a lot of records just off my laptop or on a plane and stuff like that but you you know I'm coming home and I'm putting that in my system and listening mm-hmm. to it again no completely sure I, I rate that. Say say you got into the studio and you sat down and someone said to you, right, you can pick any tune that's on the planet and you can remix it and you can release it. What tune you pick him? Um, Again, shit. very broad. <laughs> yeah. Um, because 90% of the time, a hit record is a hit record for a reason. So I could, I could say like, uh, you know, Give me any Michael Jackson tune and I'll remix that. But 90% of the time that Michael Jackson tune is, is damn perfect. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need a remix. Um, but I would probably want to go to like um, something like maybe like Sade or um, maybe like, I love Teddy Pendergrass. I'm a huge Teddy Pendergrass fan. I would love to maybe chop up a few of those stems from like Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Um. Yeah, that's oof, that's a rough question. I don't think I could answer <laughs> that full on without like contemplating it. Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it's it's yeah. layered that question. Yeah, yeah. I I think um anything disco related too. But honestly, my dad had a record called uh, "Holding On," and mm-hmm. it was by his group called Image. And mm-hmm. I've been working on getting the stems for that. And to just revamp it and give it life. And I would say that's probably, uh, you know, because that holds a little bit more meaning to me. I'd of probably course, pick that. Yeah. I'd that would probably, be lovely. Yeah. That'd be really I'm gonna nice do and it. sentimental. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to definitely do it. His his voice should, uh, it's deserved to be heard on a on a big stage. So I'm going to make that happen. Oh, I think you should. I can't wait to hear it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, you'll know when it's going to come out. <laughs> oh, cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. As well, I just want to touch on something. I mean, we discussed it slightly off camera before we started recording this, but your artist name is a vision and that is how it is pronounced for anyone who's unsure. So I was kind of sat deep in this before I spoke to you just now. And is it play on words to saying a vision, like having a vision? Or is it a total coincidence? Uh Uh-uh. Definitely a play on words, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, that's how I came up with it, really. I was just sitting there, and I was like, a vision. It's a vision. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's my form of what this is. You know what I mean? And what 
I want in my career. And, and that's why I picked that. Um, but at the minute, you know, we, we were going over names for a long time, me and my team, I'd say, you know, for a month or so. And then I was just sitting in my studio late night and I was like, it just clicked. Mm -hmm. So that's when I knew that, you know, quick decision, that's it. And I'm rocking with that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't look back after that and, uh, yeah, it just stuck to me. I don't know, but it's definitely a play on words for sure. It's always the late night decisions that always yeah. end up being the best, isn't it? No, you're right. Any any record that I've made that I've made at three o'clock in the morning, anything uh, that I had to decide on at, at a late night hour, that's usually my best time because I, I'm just focused on that mm-hmm. at that hour. Every All my distractions, everything else is, is asleep at that time and I just get to focus on what I need to do. No, I right, and honestly, I feel you. I'll, I'll, yeah. but mine's slightly less glamorous. I'll be lying in bed because I can't sleep, and I think of a cool yeah. article idea, and I'm like, that needs to be written. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's it's, it's just the way. Now, you seem a very artistically driven individual, and you released—I'm not sure how long ago—a little documentary in my yes. mind. That was fascinating to get an insight into your, you know, your workflow, your attitude and stuff. Why was it that you wanted to create something like that? Um, Really, it was just um, to recap on, you know, this wasn't, um, you know, an overnight thing for me. This was Mm -hmm. something I worked on for about 10, if not more, you know, 10 years plus. Um, And there's a lot of history for me. Uh, I grew up in a really rich club culture and I grew up with a lot of things that have aligned in my favor, but there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that's gone into this. And I wanted to really give um, some feedback just on how my production works and, and that this is the real deal. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to fake this until I make it, you know, this is, this is me. You're getting all of me in this documentary. You're understanding who I am as a person what family means to me and and the grind of what a career is. And I'm like I said, and I'll always say it, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but you know, every day I get one step closer to where I want to go. And um, it takes an army. It always does. And it always will. And you need people that are on your side. And I think um, the documentary really sheds light on all of that. And that's what I wanted to, to just shed light on. Amazing. No, that's that's really interesting. And you really are grinding it out because you've just kicked off, well, relatively recently kicked off your new collective as well, Ground Rule. So talk to me a bit about that, because it feels like an extension of, you know, this artistic expression of yours. And I've heard slash I know that you're very into your fashion, your sneaker world, things like that. So what's the premise of Ground Rule? So Ground Rule is a collective. Um, It's pretty much a team that I put together a few friends and my management. And um, it's really just, you know, combining all the arts together to, you know, make something special. Uh, food, art, music, clothing, uh, the whole nine, just giving, uh, you know, the customer or the consumer an experience that they can't really get anywhere else, especially in the nightlife culture. Granted, it's still building. I'm, I'm, this is just the very, very beginning of where I want to go with it, but I'm now just starting to tease it. Um, 
Yeah, but it's mainly it, it. I don't want it to be a record label with merch or my brand with merch and some art. I want it to be a brand mm-hmm. and a brand that can throw a party, a brand that could sell clothing, a brand that can put together, you know, a few chefs in a room and have a sick dinner that no one else could have that experience with. Mm-hmm. And um, and combining artists to come up with amazing paint and feature it on the clothing and and do different, you know, collaborations together to to make this all into one package. Um, yeah, like, and my vision's been very, very clear on this. And I, I know exactly what I want. And it's going to take a lot of work, but um, I won't stop until I get it done for sure. But yeah, it's it's pretty much my outlet for my whole life. It's been everything that's inspired me and what's made me me as a person now just getting shown into you know an item or a party or art and um you know it's it's kind of new york baseball influence i'm a huge yankee fan i don't know if you've seen like i'm wearing a yankee hat in almost every picture that i have but um (laughs) yeah i i played baseball my whole life and that sport has inspired me in my career and it's it's changed who i am as a, a person just because you know you deal with a lot of different people you deal with teamwork you deal with you know um competitiveness you you deal with a lot so it's important to know those those life skills and um that's why i wanted a little like pay a little bit tribute to my beginnings and everything upwards you know everything that's happened after that nice nice i like that and you've jumped the gun because i wanted to ask you about baseball right so i am totally and utterly clueless with baseball okay now my dad's went to new york not too long ago and since going to new york he went to a baseball game and he now loves the mets oh yeah that's that's our i mean the mets are like a rival okay they're they're in queens new york my dad's gonna listen to this and not like you. Is that? Oh, what you're it's, all right. me? it's all right. I mean, most Met fans hate Yankee fans. <laughs> I'm not a Yankee fan that hates a Met fan. I I was really hoping that the Mets would win in the playoffs so we could play each other in the World Series again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good for New York. Anything that's good for New York, I'm about. Exactly. But um, yeah, New York Met fans are very bitter towards the Yankee fans. For <laughs> I think it's just because we won 27 World Series, and I, I think they have one or two I think oh, it's two that's yeah. how it is <laughs> yeah it's a shame it's a real shame but I, I get it you know you can't always be on the winning team and this just is what it is but um um yeah the Mets are they play in Queens the Yankees play in the Bronx okay. so yeah there's a little bit of a, a, a rivalry for nice. sure you know but Mets fans they they start to get all happy when they beat the Yankees once and stuff and then <laughs> they can't seal the deal when it comes down to the playoffs, but neither can we recently. So uh, oh. it's a big year for the Yankee fans because we made it to the second round of the playoffs. So we're in that now. If they win this, they go to the World Series. So it hasn't. It's been a little bit since the Yankees have been in the World Series. I, I grew up spoiled because from when I was born up until you know I was um, maybe fifteen, sixteen when they won again. You know, the Yankees were in the World Series almost every year. It was crazy. You know, it was nuts. So, like, I was very spoiled when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I can't lie. I've learned more about baseball than in than I have in all the years I've been on this planet. So, thank you very much. Yeah, I, the most I, mean, I knew about baseball was, you know, the Nintendo Wii? 
used to yeah. go on that and used to hit it in the three strikes oh, round. that's my knowledge uh, right. all right so you, you, you at least you get the concept of how the sport works <laughs> that's good that's my boundaries i'm more uh, a football girl but that's yeah. that's another story yeah. for a different i mean day. football is it's the world sport you know yeah. it's everyone's favorite sport around here especially in europe it's huge oh massive, massive. it's pretty big in the states too but we have yeah. a few other sports. It's funny because you guys call it football uh, over here, and we call it soccer in yeah. America. Yeah. So you funny. have you have your American football, your NFL, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yes, we do. Which is becoming actually pretty big over the. I was going to say, yeah, my, my boyfriend loves NFL. I now I watch NFL. Yeah, well, because it's getting big on like gambling and betting and all that too. So, mm. yeah, it's a huge sport. The NFL, I think, is the most watched sport in America, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Yeah. It really is quite a spectacle. And as well, like now with the Super Bowl and all the hype of yeah. the halftime show and everything. Yeah, the halftime show, that's been, yeah, it's crazy. It's like the Grammys. It's nuts. Huge. It is. It is absolutely massive. Yeah. And nicely sidelining into my final question for you. <laughs> Speaking of massive things, what's coming up in the pipeline for you? Uh, we have. That you can tell me. Yeah, uh, we're we're obviously we're touring up until I don't even know. It's a good problem, but uh, <laughs> got a bunch of tours. I'm hitting South America for the first time, um, which I'm really excited. I'm playing in Argentina and Colombia, and then um, where else am I playing for the first time? Oh, Paris this weekend. I'm playing oh, for the amazing. first time. We have a bunch of remixes coming out. Um, hopefully soon i know uh november i have something coming out for drum code for the a sides lovely um, i have a few remixes coming out for mark romboy miss kitten uh, i have a remix coming out on Elm for mad ben um there's a really big remix coming up i don't know if it's going to come out by this year definitely next year but i i can't say who it's with uh unfortunately because he just hasn't announced it yet so watch but, the space. But all I will say is when I got X to remix this, I was ecstatic. Wow. Major, major legend. I was definitely um, honored to say the least that he asked me to remix it. Incredible. Um, and then, yeah, we have a few more EPs coming out in the beginning of the year. I kind of kept it cool this year because we had, had um, my album come out last December and um I had a lot of music out within the last like five, six years. So I just wanted to kick it back a little bit, let the album breathe. People are still playing my album, which is crazy to me. Hmm. Um, and we had a few EPs after that. So I just wanted to keep it cool, you know, let the tracks breathe, let everyone suck them all in. And then I'll come back strong for 2023 and uh, have some big things planned. we got some nice collaborations coming up. We have uh, a few more things for Elm got a bunch of stuff i mean if i if i showed everyone my unreleased tracks it would, i i have enough tracks to last me like two three years probably but <laughs> it's all good problems and i i always like to keep it fresh and keep it new and and you know keep making music that's what keeps me going so bella with a vision and i now know well more about baseball than i did 45 minutes ago so that's a little win for me today if you enjoyed this episode of Bell Air with a Vision, I would love it if you could give it a rate, download or subscribe however you access your podcasts. Share it on your social media and give me a tag so I can see or simply drop me a message if you enjoyed it. 
Belta is on Instagram at Belta Media, so go drop a follow and give the page some love because we're going to have some great little behind the scenes clips on there too. Thank you ever so much for listening to this episode of Belta and a huge thank you again to A Vision for joining me. I will see you all very soon for the next episode. <laughs>